1: I love to say, Utah is going to the Rose Bowl. Never gets old. Helmets off is on. All right, sports fans, welcome to another episode of Helmets Off. I'm your host, Scott Mitchell. We've got a fun show today. The University of Utah won the Pac-12 after uh, being in the conference for 11 years. And there have been schools like Arizona that haven't ever won a championship. And Utah is now going to the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. Oh, my goodness. We're going to talk about that today. Really excited about it. Of course, a crazy, crazy coaching carousel is happening. Uh, you know, what's, what What? does that look like? What does that mean? Where does that go? And then uh, this old Kyler Murdy, he might be the next. Latest, greatest, hottest quarterbacks uh, to come around in the NFL. And surprising to think that uh, he was just going to play one year in college and then go play baseball. Anyways, welcome to the show and let's get at it. All right. Um, I have to go back. So Utah is playing in the Rose Bowl. It's the first time they've ever been to the Rose Bowl. Only the second time Utah has ever played Ohio State. The first time was in 1986. And I remember it well because, well, I was there. Utah lost 64 to 6. Ohio State had not been playing very well to that point, not scored a lot of points in their uh, previous games, and they really had been struggling. And so uh, it was kind of an exciting, uh, or or they they were looking to kind of avenge that so to speak, and, well, they dropped 64 points on us at that time. It was my true freshman year, my true freshman year out of out of high school. I was, like, one game removed from our, our first game, I believe, was in Salt Lake, and uh, there were probably 20, 20 21,000 people. But um, the uh, – <laughs> The, uh, uh, so here I'm this kid and I go to the horseshoe Ohio state. The, if you remember the logo, it was a turf field and it had a 10 in the middle of the field and then big on both sides. It was the big 10 at the time. And that was such an iconic image in college football, the game. There were 89,000 people. And here I'm from this small town in Utah and I'm in front of the most probably iconic stadium situation. This is the Ohio State University. This is Woody Hayes. This is, this is all college football is about. I remember just knowing, and I didn't play in the game. I was, I was red-shirting that year, so I was just an observer. But I remember how we just got it handed to us. We were, we were, we were terrible. We had lost before we ever started the game. We had no business being there. We had we we could not compete against these guys, and they had uh, you know some some really good uh, NFL players on their team. Chris Billman was the linebacker. Chris Carter, Hall of Fame wide receiver, was there. William White was a really good DB. Uh, Eric Kumaro, who was a first round draft choice of Miami Dolphins, who was a teammate of mine for a few years. So this was a this was a really really good football team that we're playing, and at the time I just remember we'll never compete against this. Like we'll, like that, like the idea of going to the Rose Bowl at that moment was just impossible. I mean, it wasn't even it, it, it was just so far. It wasn't even even a thought we had, and I find. It's so fascinating about my life and about the, the transformation of the University of Utah. I mean, when I was at Utah, we barely had winning seasons. We weren't very good and we, we never went to a bowl game. We never won a conference championship. We just were just average. And the idea of playing in the Pac-12 and being a power five school, going to the Rose Bowl, just, it just didn't exist when we were there. And for me, at that moment, that first game, I'm at Ohio State. I don't think I can play with these guys. I, I had no idea if I could or I couldn't do it. And so we were just outmatched and then watching, watching what happened with the University of Utah and the transformation and, and myself um, it, it, it just gave me this realization of how powerful our ability to think is and how much of an impact it has on our performance. Four years after that, I'm drafted and playing professional football and I do it for 12 years. And th- those people that I didn't think I could compete with were now my teammates or people that I played against uh, professionally and played against them and played as teammates together. And they were just like me. And, and when you broaden your horizons or your expectations or your, your perspective or your belief, man, it's, it's amazing. What can unfold to you? I just put it in my head that I was going to be a professional football player and I did it. And I, and, and I know I had the ability to do it physically, but I also developed an ability to do it mentally. And that was probably 10 times more important. And as I've watched, as I've watched the university of Utah unfold, and it, 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 it's been a fun thing to to see because that belief hasn't always been there. And you, you look back and, uh, Ron McBride really started to kind of turn the corner. But Urban Meyer coming here, the irony of all of it is Urban Meyer went to Ohio State and won national championships at Ohio State, and yet he was at Utah. And he brought a different mindset. He brought a different mindset, a different expectation to this football program. And I, th- I think when you start to, to kind of um, change your expectation, change the way you view yourself, you start attracting different people and different opportunities. I, uh, and, and Urban Meyer did that at Utah. And he was only here for a couple of years. But man, I think he lost maybe a game in two years. And he, st- and he just kind of s- started people seeing, you can be bigger, you can be more. And, of course, Kyle Whittingham was one of his coaches. And, and when uh, Utah got in the Pac-12, it was ugly. I, I guarantee you that Utah did not think they could win Pac-12 championship. I know, I, I guarantee you, because you could see it. You would, you would see the team find a way to lose big games in November. They'd find a way to self-destruct, they'd find a way to go back to the reality that they really perceived themselves at and that was not winning. It was not winning, it was not winning. And there were there were so many opportunities to do it. Uh, if, if you remember a few years ago, playing Oregon and Oregon was like one of the top dogs in the country and playing at Autzen Stadium and Utah, I think Utah scored like 60 points against Oregon. That was like one of the top teams in the country. And you're like, well, why don't you guys just do that every week? And you, and you heard coach Whittingham say, well, we just, we knew we had to throw everything at them. And and I'm like, well, why don't you throw everything at them every single week? And you could just see the program just wasn't ready mentally to just say, we can do this. We can do this. We can be Pac-12 champions and go to the Rose Bowl. Playing USC, Utah, I think was ranked in the top five in the country at the time. And Travis Wilson throws three interceptions to the same guy. And you're just scratching your head going. You threw him right at the guy. Or Troy Williams having an opportunity to uh, convert a two-point play to win the game uh and and, the, and the, he's got a wide receiver wide open in the end zone and just doesn't see him and and Utah loses and can and Utah can't seem to find a way to beat USC at USC. And again, USC is kind of the flag bearer, the standard bearer of excellence in the Pac-12. And Utah just didn't have the mindset or believe we belong with this program and that we could beat USC in the Coliseum in Los Angeles. And I've watched uh, up until this year, two Pac-12 championship games, one against Washington and one against Oregon. And the one against Washington, you're, you're just, you could tell that Utah just not, did not expect or believe they could win that game. And somehow they found a way to lose it. And then a couple of years ago playing Oregon and all, all Utah's five in the country. They win this game. They're going to be in the college football playoffs and they just can't seem to get it together. Now this year, man, I don't, I don't know what happened. I re, I, I don't know. I don't know if there was just a, okay, we've been, we've finally been here enough. Uh, We know we can win. We've experienced it. We've, you know, we've gone through our growing pains, whatever, because some things started to change. And one of the things was players who were highly recruited flipped. And they didn't go to Ohio State. They didn't go to Texas. They flipped and they came to Utah. Clark Phillips was an Ohio State guy and flipped at the last minute to Utah and is the best DB on Utah's football team now playing as a freshman on a team going to the Rose Bowl and and, and having a significant impact. Utah didn't flip guys three or four years ago. They they lost guys to to places like Texas and Ohio State. Van Fillinger was going to Texas, four-star guy. And he's now starting and doing a tremendous job. I mean, he's not just, he's not a placeholder. He's an impact player on a team that's going to the Rose Bowl and won a Pac-12 championship. So somewhere along the way, Utah grew up. And and players that weren't coming here started to. And players who uh, were very talented Came in and played, and there was a time when Utah started nine freshmen on defense. And this team started the season out 1-2 and, 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 and lost just horrendous games to BYU and to San Diego State. And, and really had no business losing those games, but they did. Your record is what it is, and they lost. And this was a team just floundering so, So it was making strides. it was flipping players to come to the school. It was getting uh, really good recruiting classes and and then the tragedies that hit the program. Now, how do you how do you bounce back from that really? I mean, I mean, most it would be troubling. It would be really troubling. and and you're just like, uh, wow, this this team." Um, has this tragedy happen. They have a bye week. And guess where they have to go play? The first game is at the Coliseum against USC. And you watch the game with a quarterback, by by the way, who's never played in in college football. He played half of a quarter against USC the year before in the COVID year and, and got hurt. So he's never really played in a college football game and he's, he's now your starter. And you got to go to USC where you've never won after the tragedy of one of your, you know, your players who, this is the second tragedy in in the span of about, um, you know, eight, nine months. And you find a way to win. And then you just go on this run. This quarterback wins nine uh of of 10 games he plays in beats beats the number three ranked team in the country and the number 10 ranked team in the country in the same year and not they're not like they beat them they just they destroyed oregon and i just remember going to the um pac-12 championship game and and knowing that utah was going to win like i i just was like I don't even think this is going to be a close game. Everyone's like, oh, you know, you can't, you can't, it's hard to beat a team twice. And I was just like, no, Utah has their number. They're a better team, a far better team. And they're actually, their game plan against uh, the quarterback, uh, Anthony Brown at Oregon, was better than the first time they played him. And Anthony Brown, 13 games is not going to, or days is not going to just all of a sudden change. And they had his number, and they had Oregon's number defensively. So, so here you have this um this just massive turnaround in a season and it, and and the turnaround has really been years, decades in the making. And it's it's just shocking to see how how uh, a team and a program really just had this meteoric rise and and it's fascinating now to hear Ohio State Who's never changed like Ohio State? They've just been Ohio State all these years. This is what we do. We win national championships. We're a top five program in the country. We go to the college football playoffs. We get the best players in the country. End of discussion. And and they're like, oh, we have to play Utah, and I'm telling you uh, right now, Utah will win this game. They will win the Rose Bowl. They will win it because. They truly believe that they belong. It's it's not enough for Utah to get to the Rose Bowl. That wasn't the the goal. It's not the goal. They're not just happy to be there. This program has turned a corner. Right now in the Pac-12 Conference, the best program is the University of Utah. Next season, Utah will be a top-10 team preseason and they'll be uh, an early favorite to to be like a playoff team next year. And they they will they will be the team to beat in the Pac-12. And and to know cuz I broadcast the the football games on the radio to know that I'm going to the Rose Bowl. I'm going to the Rose Bowl is the most amazing um statement I think I could ever make. And I value it so much because I was there the first time. And I was there when no one believed. And I, I'm now standing here watching this and, ha- and I've witnessed this transformation of how in your mind you can change so much of the outcome of your life. It's why I love sports. It's why I've loved it my whole life. Not about winning and about all of the, whatever, the the fame, the notoriety. It's been about finding out who I am through sports, what I'm made of, what I'm capable of. And sports was an amazing vehicle to teach and to provide the experience and opportunities to find who I am. And really anyone. I mean, and I love that about sports. Love that. All right, we're going to take a break, come back. And, of course, I went really long on that, but I don't care. It was cool. Um, College coaching craziness. If you're going to get a good coach, you're going to poach him. (laughs) And we'll see what happens uh, with some of these coaching opportunities coming up. sports fans welcome back it is helmets off scott mitchell uh, here and we're gonna talk about college coaching craziness i guess Uh, mario cristobal who's a miami guy goes back to the university of miami had a discussion earlier this week which is a better job miami or oregon a lot of people said oh oregon is a better job why the heck is he going to miami miami's terrible miami's awful Mario Cristobal is a Miami guy. He's a Miami native. He understands how amazing Miami can be. You have the state of Florida. The University of Utah recruits in the state of Florida. Everyone recruits in the state of Florida. It's, and if you, if you can become the program, the image, the, like what Miami was, you will get the very best players in the state of Florida. End of discussion. No, no question about it. You'll get the best, best players. And that's what Miami can be, and and Oregon by itself is not a hotbed of talent. Oregon gets its talent from California. Yeah, there's some there's some kids in Oregon, but most of them they're not they're not locally grown players. Shoot, they get players from Utah. They get players all over the place. And Nike's a a, a world brand, and has a tight tie, and that helps Oregon. In uh, its recruiting, massively, I, I'm—I have no question that that that, that helps. So yeah, Miami was a bold move and one that Mario Cristobal I think probably felt extremely comfortable taking, but Oregon is not a chump change job, you know. So, so what happens? Uh, what happens at Oregon? And then, of course, you've got Brian Kelly who just up and left Notre Dame, and like. Like he has been so successful at Notre Dame, but the one success he hasn't had is winning a national championship. And I think underneath it all, I think Brian Kelly goes, I can't win a national championship at at, at Notre Dame. I don't think I don't I don't and I agree. I don't think I think Notre Dame's so overrated every year. They get killed in the playoffs. They don't play anybody. They they don't I don't know that they really recruit and, and really get the top tier players. Players want to go to an sec school players want to go to a big 10 school they want to be in that conference they want to be in they want to be guaranteed they're going to be in the in the playoff discussion the 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 tradition of notre dame has kind of been whitewashed with everything that's happened um in in call in college football um, with with the it, it, you know, just the, just the whole tradition of everything. There's no tradition in college football anymore. It's not. It's just, it's just, it's, just, it's not. And, and Notre Dame is kind of, probably needs to come to the forefront if they really want to, they really need to be in a conference. I just believe that. I just, I just, I just, I, I don't care. It's just, Notre Dame is irrelevant to me. And I think, I think uh, uh, Brian Kelly knew that. And he goes, well, why go to, why to go to LSU? I mean, I mean, LSU, it's like, you know, you got to compete against Alabama. You got to compete against Georgia. You're going to have Texas. You're going to have Oklahoma. Texas A&M is kind of a challenge. If Florida wakes up and decides it wants to be good again, it has that potential. But why LSU? LSU is one of the top jobs. You've had three different coaches, uh, Les Miles, Nick Saban, and Ed Ordron, uh all win national championships at LSU recently and in in a span of Notre Dame's 10 and had every opportunity i mean Brian Brian Kelly's done a tremendous job there but i guarantee you, he probably reached his ceiling there and i'm sure you know 100 million dollars you know probably helps you know i mean it's just like it's the same thing with Lincoln Riley Lincoln Riley knows i 'm going to go be a smaller fish in a big pond in the s e c and i can go i can go to i can go to uh i can go to u s c and become a, uh basically not having really any competition no offense to utah because utah right now is is there but can they compete against u s c if it's if it's really unleashed they can't they can't i i you know, and here I'm talking about mindset and all that stuff, and maybe they can. I don't know, but uh, USC Unleashed is is uh, is a beast. It's a real beast. So, what about Oregon? And 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 really, if and Phil Knight goes, I'll pay for whatever because that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to pay 95 to 100 million dollars, and you're going to have to go poach someone. And there's this talk of Kalani Sataki from BYU. It's not a sexy pick. Oregon has to be the same kind of pick that you have at USC. It had to be a flashy, relevant, big name. And if you couldn't, if you couldn't do that, you couldn't have that. There, there's just no, there's just no way that there's just no way uh, that that uh, Oregon can afford. To have probably a really good coach, Kalani would be a really good coach at Oregon, but he's not going to be the sexy pick they're looking for. Nike's flashy. Nike's, I mean, this is Oregon that changes their uniform at halftime. And they don't ever wear the same uniform combination or the same helmet. Or, I mean, it, it's all about, you know, um, promotion and glitz and, and, the, and the bling and the wow factor at Oregon. Everything is. And so you've got to have this hip, you know, vibrant out there. And, you know, maybe I, I, Kalani's just not the game. Kalani would be amazing. Kalani fits in so well at BYU. He just needs to stay at BYU. And he can stay there as long as he wants. So uh, maybe it's Dave Aranda from Baylor. I mean, that's probably the biggest name the name that they could, uh, and with all of the ties that they have, uh, as, as far as like athletic director and, and the relationship between, uh, and Dave Aranda is a, is a West coast guy and recruited, you know, California, he, he understands everything Pro- probably the best guy uh, for, and he's done amazing at Baylor, but It's a, it's a, it's a tough thing or, or, or you're, maybe you're Oregon and you just look around the country and you just say, what guy maybe is, is the biggest name that we could absolutely pick away from where we are. I I don't know. I mean, I mean, Mel Tucker was kind of a hot pick recently and he hadn't really done a whole lot. He hadn't done a lot. I mean, really, I mean, he, he finished third or fourth in the big 10. That's it. But he got hot, he got relevant, and got a lot of money. It's changed. I mean, coaching, and so it's not, well, we're going to wait for this guy. I mean, the programs aren't even waiting anymore. They're just saying, you know, off with their head and on with the next search. And they have to do it because of recruiting. I get it. But um, the poaching and the big dollar contracts are coming to college football. All right, we can take another break. We come back. Kyler Murray has the Arizona Cardinals at 10-2, best team in the NFL. Is he the real deal? Welcome back. Helmets off, Scott Mitchell. Last segment of the day. Fun things to talk about. Rose Bowl. Utah's playing Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Of course, the changes in coaching carousel, and then this this uh, this NFL deal, Kyler Murray, and what he's doing uh, is just remarkable. But what his team is doing is even as remarkable. Uh, Cliff Barry is remarkable. No, I mean, I mean, you know how he how he got picked as a coach and what he's done, because it, 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 it's Arizona. I mean, that's that's the thing. I think everyone goes, but it's Arizona, right? And they're just perennial. I know they've been to a Super Bowl or two and they've, they've had a few years where they've done well, but but historically and most of the time, they don't play well. They find a way to just get in their way and and bomb. And it's kind of a graveyard for people to go to type of thing. But Kyler Murray, to me, I would say... I would say Baker Mayfield was probably a guy I would have expected to be a better pro than Kyler Murray. I didn't believe Kyler Murray's ability to throw the ball, his arm strength, his accuracy. I mean, he was, he was a, an amazing runner still is an amazing runner, but this guy throwing the football has been just spectacular to me. That that's the thing. That's the difference to me. And I think of all of the quarterbacks playing today, like he's the scariest. Jay Jay Jalen Hurts is is probably equal as a runner, maybe not. I mean, because Kyler Murray is just so darn fast. But Jalen Hurts can't throw the ball like Ky- Kyler Murray. And in the NFL, you you really have to be able to throw and make all the throws. I say this all the time, and I'm just telling you, it's just true. These defenses are so good, and they'll figure out. What you can't do, Taysom Hill with the New Orleans Saints can't throw the football, but he can run. Uh, Lamar Jackson is 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 a guy very much like Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray might be a better pure passer than Lamar Jackson. Uh, he he just it really it really jumped off, it really jumped off the table with me with Kyler Murray. I, I did not think that that he would. I, I I really thought he would be a guy last a couple of years, run around a lot, never figure out how to throw the ball in the pocket, and and he would just be a flash in the pan. And 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 the and his ability to do everything makes him almost indefensible. I mean, they'll figure out a way possibly to slow him down a little bit. But uh yeah, he he's just he's just really good. I think of Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is not a runner. Patrick Mahomes is a thrower, and he'll run out of necessity. Uh, he'll he'll extend plays by by scrambling in, in the pocket and making just crazy throws that no one can make, even Kyler Murray. But Kyler Murray is a is a massive massive run threat, and and I hope I guess I want to believe that people have said, look, if you want to have longevity, if you really want to stay in the in the NFL, then you really need to know how to throw first. And, and I know Lamar Jackson's figuring that out and is, you know, doing a pretty good job of it. Because after a while, just taking those shots on your body uh, is really difficult. And, and Kyler Murray's missed some time this year because, because of, uh, you know, uh, you just expose yourself and you just don't need to. You just don't. But, but it'll be fascinating to see how this season ends up. And and, I mean, the Arizona Cardinals may be the team to beat. I I always thought it was the Los Angeles Rams in the NFC and of course Tampa Bay, but uh, tell you what, uh, Kyler Murray in Arizona is gonna be a tough out. Well, speaking of out, we're out, we're out of time. Helmets off uh, is now off. Thank you for tuning in. Find us on Facebook at The Helmets Off Podcast, Twitter at The Helmets Off Show. Until then, we'll see you then.